you. Um, obviously, I'd said the transfiguration, would there be any clues in the rugby that I could use in the sermon? Somebody said, the stadium lights up as Saxton, the chosen one, touches down before such a great cloud of witnesses at the Aviva. Not bad, not bad. And then as we go down, we have, to quote the full version of Ireland's call, now here's a man who's getting some contacts and taking it a little bit more seriously. To quote the full version of Ireland's call, we were born to meet our destiny with glory. I like that, I like that, I like that. A little less serious than that, the French turnovers are transfiguring the face of this game. Not sure about that one. While the chosen one, this is a minister, you can tell. He's probably in the same passage. While the chosen ones are transfixed by the bright lights and close to the action, back in the real world, life, normal life carries on. Soon those with the golden tickets have to go back to their normality. I thought that's pretty good. He's maybe on the passage too. And in fact, Alan Emerson, my friend, sent me a photograph that was him with the same, not the same passage of scripture actually, but the same transfiguration passage from another gospel watching the rugby too and when I said to him because I know he doesn't do the lectionary he says they're going through the the bible in a year and I thought it was interesting that our lectionary and those who go through the bible in the year are on the same theme um, this particular Sunday and there's reason for that if we've been following this lectionary seasonal thing once we get through advent we came into Epiphany. And this Sunday is the last Sunday in Epiphany before we go in to Lent. And we're going to come to that because that is quite important, I think, on why we would be looking at this passage that June Pat read to us earlier from Matthew chapter 17. Because I couldn't really believe it that we were back in some ways in the travel narratives that we went through a couple of years ago through Lent, and that we actually went through with the, um, uh, the lectionary before Christmas. It's not Luke's travel narratives, and Matthew doesn't do the travel narratives, which is why we did it in Luke. But this is the same starting place that we find uh, right here in Matthew as we went through in Luke. For instance, in chapter 16, you will find some of the the prelude to this scene uh, on, uh, on the mountain. So let me just for a moment take you into chapter 16. It's uh, 98.3 in your pew Bible if you want to follow that. But uh, in verse 21, Jesus has started predicting his death. And remember when we did the travel narratives, we started at Luke chapter 9, and Jesus sets his sights on Jerusalem uh, when he would, at the time he would be taken up. Here in Matthew chapter 16, just before this story of transfiguration, Jesus is setting out, it's the same part of the story. Jesus is starting to crank it up with the disciples. He's starting to tell them what this is going to mean to be a follower of his. And he's telling them about the journey that we're going to be going through and Lent towards the cross of Good Friday. So in verse 21, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. So this is just before we get to the mountaintop experience. He's starting to just sow that seed of what's about to happen to him. If we go into verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself, take up their cross and follow me. 
For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their souls? Again, that was Luke has that in chapter 9. Here we are in chapter 16 of Matthew. So Jesus is setting it up. And then he almost, you could see it, that he takes him in chapter 17 on retreat. It's almost like Roz has taken them up the mountain for a wee Cleopas weekend. But I want you to notice the links between Matthew and Exodus that Patricia read for us. Six days is in both passages. For six days in Exodus, they were, it was covered, or the mist covered the mountain. Here at the start of chapter 17 in Matthew, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John. So they've gone up this mountain for something that's really, really important at the end of Epiphany as we move into the journey of Lent. Because as you're going on a journey, I was trying to say earlier, you need to know what you have when you're traveling. You need to know what your resources as you journey. When you find those moments of dark, as there will be between here and Good Friday, and particularly on Good Friday, what will the disciples that were on the mountain carry with them into those dark moments? Jesus takes them aside, has this retreat that gives revelation and epiphany of who he is, so that the identity of who Jesus is will help them as they follow their journey towards the cross. In these moments on this mountain, Jesus is given context and endorsement. Jesus is given the context of who he is in the overreaching story of God and he's given endorsement to. The context is this, that those who appear on the mountain with them are Moses and Elijah. Matthew's very keen to see in the writing of his gospel that Jesus is part of this story of the Jewish people and Jesus fits into that story. And right here on the Mount of Transfiguration, we find the Jesus context. Moses, the lawmaker, the one who gave them the, the law, the one who brought them out of the land of Egypt. Elijah, prophet. So you find the patriarchs, the prophets. You find that here we have on this mountain, Jesus put in the context. Here's the three, Moses, Elijah, and the full paradigm of God and humanity in Jesus. And the disciples are there and they're picking these things up. This is a contextualization of the identity of the one that they're following. And then, as in the baptismal story earlier on, God speaks into it about his beloved son in whom he is well pleased. So we find the context of Jesus in the story of God's salvation, and we find an endorsement again from God. Guys, this is the one. This is the one. Follow him. Now, if you're up there, <clears throat> you would respond the way they responded. This seems pretty cool. Is it George MacDonald? I think I was quoting him a while back. Um, 
Is it he that talked about the thin places between heaven and earth? Thin places where we experience God in ways that we've never maybe experienced him before. Thin places where almost heaven touches the earth for a moment or two. This for the disciples would have been one of those moments. This was a thin place. This was on the mountain. The important place where they would meet with the dwelling of God was on the mountain for the people of Israel. Another part of that context um, in this particular story. But here they are, close to God. They can hear the voice of God. Elijah and Moses are with them and Jesus is transfigured. You would say to yourself, here, I tell you what, let's build a couple of shelters and just stay here. Sense that spiritual calm, but spiritual thrill of being in this thin place. But that's not what we're called to. We're not called to the retreat. We talked about it last week. We're not called to the pillar where we would be six feet or 12 feet up and we wouldn't be tempted by the world. Oh, no, 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 no. As Gareth says in the last Facebook post from yesterday's rugby, those who had the golden ticket and were there, those who had that experience when that final whistle blew and we realized that the game was over, those who were in the stadium and had the, the, that feeling, that rush of experience, had to actually go back up the steps and out of the stadium and onto a train or a car or a bus and get back to normal life. The normal life and context of the followers of Jesus is in the neighborhood, in the world, but not of it. The word became flesh and moved in. It's not about wonderful spiritual experiences, this following of Jesus. It's about getting down the mountain from those spiritual experiences, which will be resources on the journey, yes, but they're not what the deal is, because the deal is service and sacrifice. But you've got to wonder, and I've been wondering over the last few days, Peter, as he carried this story with him, Peter, as he carried this story with him, and he got to Gethsemane, and they're coming for Jesus. He's on the journey there, and yet he takes out that sword and he starts to get involved in a wee bit of ear chopping. What did he think at the time when they're coming for Jesus? What did he think when Jesus was praying? What did he think when he fell asleep and Jesus came back and found him asleep? What did he think when he was in the courtyard and he denied Jesus and people were saying he was one of the Galileans? What did he think when he heard the, the cock crow? And what, what did he think when he... Did this transfiguration story disappear? Or did it linger with him? Was it the very thing that brought him through all of that? To the empty tomb? And to Pentecost? under the church on the other side. A few weeks ago, we looked at the idea and the Beatitudes of those who are blessed, being those who, knowing the kingdom's grace, have insight and perspective to deal with issues. Blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? Those who know the kingdom of grace in ways that give insight and perspective to whatever they have to deal with in their lives. The disciples who were up that mountain were blessed by this moment. 
of transfiguration. Because in that moment of transfiguration, they get context as to who Jesus was. They get endorsement from God as to who Jesus was. And suddenly they had with them their leader, someone who in the kingdom of grace would give them insight and perspective into whatever they would deal with in the rest of the journey. What about us? What do we journey out of here today on foot or car or bike? What do we go back to? What are those things that we're journeying with at this moment in time? What are the crises? What are the pressures? What are the joys? What are the opportunities? Where's the potential? Where are the hurdles or the distractions? As we journey, where does Jesus give us a different insight and perspective into what we might be dealing with? Donegal Pass, we had some from the pass up with us this week. We were particularly taken by the memorial stone at the back. There was a little bit of competitiveness between 1st BB and 80th BB and 9th BB. There was a few old grudges mentioned in the conversations. But we've started to engage with people from Donegal Pass over the building in the past. It's a journey that as a congregation we are beginning to think about taking. As we take it, will we find in the context of who this Jesus is, the endorsement of who this Jesus is, the identity of who this Jesus is, as we journey, will we see insight and perspective that will help us to deal with that? As we go to Uganda as a team in the summer, or as we think longer term in Uganda, and the good news is that that fence that those boys cycled their legs off to build was actually started this week. We saw photographs of the trenches around the school and that will be finished by the time we get there. We were hoping that and there should have been new textbooks arriving on Friday while we were at the Portadown office talking about it. They were to be arriving in Uganda. But as we continue that journey, do we see the Jesus that travels with us? The perspective and the insight and the vision that we might have because like Peter, James and John, we know who he is. As we travel to an election, as we travel to results that, to be honest, nobody seems to be able or wanting to predict. And let's face it, last year, anybody that did predict was wrong. As we journey towards the next chapter for our country, do we travel, do we journey as those who know the context and the endorsement of the Jesus that we've worshipped? prayed to, and thought about today. I've shared it before, but it's one of the most precious things that I was taught in Bible class when I was back home in Harival. And I was speaking to my Bible class leader not just so long ago, and I was sharing that I still remember it. Flo will understand this one. He used to say to us, you look out some days, and they're slimish looking grand and wonderful in the distance. And it's beautiful and you think about it and you see it there. And then he says there's other days and you look out 
And you can't see Slimish. It's covered in cloud and rain and hail and whatever covers Slimish. My dad used to say, if you can if you can't see Slimish it's raining. And if you no, if you can't see Slimish it's going to rain, and if you can see it it's already raining. But anyway, um, that was the pessimism of that. But there's those days you look out and you can't see Slimish. And my Bible class teacher said, and when you can't see it, you remember back to the moment you could see it. And that gives you insight and perspective that it's still there. Wherever we're journeying personally, or as a congregation, or as a country, there will be moments when it's very hard to see this Jesus. Ask Peter. But when we don't see him in the detail of the day, let's remember those moments in our lives when it was very clear that we saw him. And allow that to bring context, endorsement, and perspective and insight into whatever it is we're journeying through. Let's pray. Lord, it's a very basic question we could ask of each other or you could ask of all of us right now. How much part does Jesus play in our perspective as we deal with the crises or the opportunities that throw themselves on our lives? We pray, Lord, that we would be those who seek Christ's insight, the generous, gracious, compassionate perspective of God into whatever it is we journey towards individually or as a congregation or as a nation. Lord, in those moments that we don't see Jesus in it, may we remember back to when we could and realize that you're still there. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.